Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Then you can sit at seven, and there's going to be some players. When I look at our draft board right now, and I look at, you know, call it, you know, maybe who we see right now as the top 10 players, I'm excited about who we can get at seven, too, just standing pat. And so we're going to have an opportunity to improve the team, you know, one way or another. And sitting where we're at, you know, um, it's not ideal because it means that you didn't win enough football games. Um, in our situation, but it does have some flexibility to really, um, you know, make a decision what you want to do in, in, in a couple different ways to improve the team. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We are back live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. After a week away, we are in Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine. Fantastic event. Fantastic experience. It was great to be there all week long, meet and greet with a lot of different people, a lot of different draft prospects, see a lot of media folks that we know and we talk to on the regular but don't really see them in person. Couldn't tell you how many people came up to us and said, oh, hey, I I was on the other day talking about this or I was on the other day talking about the draft. Remember, I was, you know, and just kind of introduced themselves like that. Thought that that was really cool uh, just to be out there and be able to meet and greet and just network with folks. And, of course, Bring you everything that we could about the NFL draft. So hopefully you enjoyed the week that we had. Big thanks to Boyd Gaming for making sure that we were out there at the Scouting Combine. Uh, but we're back. We're back now in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And don't expect our next big trip to be, well, there's two that are coming up. We got the owners' meetings at the end of the month. That's supposed to be in Phoenix. So we're thinking about that one. And then, of course, the draft in Kansas City at the end of April will definitely be at that one. So those are the next two that are lined up for Raider Nation Radio 920. But the draft, for sure, the owners' meetings, maybe. (laughs) We'll give you an update on that as it comes. But very excited to be back. Very excited for the show that we have today, as we are each and every day. Happy to be with you for the next three hours. Lots of good stuff to get to. Of course, found out the news that the Raiders officially put the franchise tag on running back Josh Jacobs. No big surprise. And early this morning, found out Derek Carr is going to the Saints. Done deal records. D.C. to the Saints, good for him. Nice little contract that he got. He has a nice division he'll be playing in, has a pretty good defense to be playing for, and a coach that he already is familiar with in Dennis Allen. So uh, D.C.'s, I think, set up in a pretty good position. Now it's up to the Raiders, as my mom said. She sent me a text and said, all right, well, now it's up to the Raiders to find out who their quarterback's going to be. And, of course, that's going to be the big subject moving forward. Coming up at 2.10 on the show, matter of fact, he'll kick off the opening drive. Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network, he'll join us to talk all things NFL scouting combine and talk about the offensive side of things, who, what he saw from the quarterbacks, what he saw from the wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, whose stock was built in the combine and who maybe lost a little bit of their luster at the combine. So Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network will join us at 2.10. Coming up at 2.30, our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. Matter of fact, he's over at the Thomas and Mack Center as he's over there covering UNLV women's basketball, and they beat the brakes off of, uh, who were they playing, Reno? They beat the brakes off of Reno. I think they went on like a 28-2 to run or something and just almost doubled them up. So, uh, yeah, Adam Hill's over at the Thomas and Mack, but he'll join us to talk all things Raiders and say, you know, talk about the quarterback position, talk about the team in general, how they build up the team, but really in particular, how the quarterback position, how maybe the thoughts on it has changed since the combine. Again, there was a lot of questions going into the combine. I had a ton of questions when it came to the quarterback position. I'll tell you right now, I came out of this weekend in the scouting combine listening and talking to these players all week long in Indy and then seeing what they did on Saturdays, in particular the quarterbacks, and I got C.J. Stroud as my number one quarterback. People ask me all the time, who's your number one guy? C.J. Stroud's my dude. Uh, the guy's got the size. The guy, I mean, throws the ball with such little effort. I mean, and, and I don't want to say a little effort like it's a slight. 
It just looks like it's effortless. It just looks like he could do anything he wants, drop a ball on the dime. He explained why he doesn't run a whole lot. I, I appreciate why he doesn't run a whole lot. He gives his, uh, his, his teammates opportunities to catch balls and make pa- plays. I'm good with that. So C.J. Stroud is quarterback number one, but how many quarterback numbers ones, like how many other boards is he quarterback number one, and are the Raiders going to have an opportunity to even grab him? Because now looking at C.J. Stroud and looking at number seven, it's like, yeah, probably not going to be able to get him. At number seven either, we talked about trades on Friday while we were still in India, and I'm telling you right now, if the Raiders want to go get C.J. Stroud, they're most likely going to have to trade up at least, in my opinion, all the way up to like two or three, and I just don't see that happening. So a lot of questions around the quarterback position, but Adam Hill will join us at 2.30 to see if his thoughts have changed on what he wants the Raiders to do or he thinks the Raiders should do at the quarterback position, how it might have changed by what he saw at the Combine on Saturday when they were throwing the ball. Then at 3.30, Deontay Lee from The Athletic, he'll join us to talk about the Combine. But he'll talk about the defensive side of things, the defensive tackles, the cornerbacks, the, the edge rushers, all the linebackers, safeties. Who does he think stood out from the defensive side of things? So Tony Pauline will join us to talk all things offense at 210. At 330, Deontay Lee will join us to talk all things defense. Then at 4 o'clock, we'll switch everything up. <laughs> we'll switch everything up in a major way, and we'll talk to former coach Scott Spinelli. Uh, he was a head coach, and he's a basketball analyst. He'll join us just to talk about uh, the road leading up to March Madness and talking about conference tournaments that are going on right now. And uh, I was just sitting around watching a, a little bit of, uh, what was it, Gonzaga? It was Gonzaga and BYU women's basketball action going on at the Orleans, not too far from us right now. And there's tournaments going on all over town. And there's going to be a lot of conference tournaments going on. The Mountain West Conference Tournament is going to be going on. Uh, all these different tournaments will be taking place in preparation for Selection Sunday, which is on Sunday the 12th. So there's a lot of teams that are jockeying for position. Do you know, Damon, that North Carolina, who almost won the championship last year, might not even make the tournament? Right now on Bracketology, they're the next four out. They're not even in the bracket as of right now. So they may need a deep run in the ACC tournament even to make the big tournament in March. Oh, yeah, for me, North Carolina, they have to win it. Not like even if they get to the finals of the conference championship, they've got to win the ACC. To the whole the thing? To me, yes. Well, maybe. Maybe. It's got to be winning your end because they haven't, done, like you said, that resume, whoo, yeah, their resume, they fell off. Yeah, their resume does not look good this year at all. And again, what a, I mean, just how removed are they from just about winning a championship just a year ago to the fact that they might not even be in the tournament this year. So Coach Scott Spinelli, former basketball head coach and uh, basketball analyst right now, will join us at 4 o'clock just to talk about March Madness and the path leading up to the March Madness. And if everything goes the way that we believe it's going to go, we'll actually have him join us every Monday at 4 o'clock throughout the course of the tournament to talk about how everything's going, uh, how these teams are, are making their road to the Final Four, just kind of be our basketball insider. And that should be, if, like I said, if everything goes correct, we should have him every single Monday at 4 o'clock. So the guests that we have, Tony Pauline coming up in a matter of minutes. Adam Hill follows him, Deontay Lee at 3.30, and Coach Scott Spinelli at 4. Plus, we still have sounds from Indy that we'll play that we didn't get to play over uh, the course of last week, and that's okay because that stuff is priceless and it's ageless, right? I mean, it's stuff that we got and we can still bring to the table, so we'll do that throughout the course of the show. Plus, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r The question that I'll throw out there to you before we get Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network on the show has your feelings changed on who the Raiders' starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off what you saw by the Combine and what they did on Saturday? If so, how has it changed? Who is the quarterback that you think the Raiders should roll with? So let us know. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. That is our don'tbebroke.com text line. So you can hit us up and let us know. And like I said, going into the Combine, I really felt like Bryce Young was quarterback number one, and I think that he hurt himself 
by not going out there and participating. He was the only guy that did not participate. C.J. Stroud participated. Will Levis participated. Anthony Richardson, he wowed everybody with his athleticism. But Bryce Young said, hey, I'm going to wait till my pro day. And look, the pro days are good. All the, all the players go through them. I know Bryce Young has his. I be, no, I think uh, C.J. Stroud's is first on the 22nd. Then Bryce Young's on the 23rd. Will Levis is on the 24th. And Anthony Richardson's on the 30th of March. So those pro days will go basically back to back to back to back. But I thought Bryce Young did himself a disservice by not participating out in Indy when everyone else did. He came in around five foot ten, just over 200 pounds. So basically he's the size of Kyler Murray. And depending on how you feel about Kyler Murray is going to depend on how certain teams feel about Bryce Young. I think he's a hell of a quarterback, but his size is not big. His frame is not big at all. And really, Kyler Murray, in my opinion, has a, has a thicker base than Bryce Young does. And so it kind of gives him a little bit more of an advantage. And he still finds himself injured quite a bit. So there's going to be a lot of questions when it comes to Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and also C.J. Stroud. But for my money, C.J. Stroud is quarterback number one. And that would be who I'd want to see under center for the Raiders of 2023. But what say you? How has your feelings changed on the Raiders starting quarterback in 2023 based off the combine? And if it has changed, who do you think should be the one? You can hit us up again. We'll take your calls in a little bit, but we'll take your text right now at 69187, keyword R&R. My man, Demond, is efforting Tony Pauline. And when he gets them, we'll jump into the opening drive. Checking out a couple quick texts that we got. Uh, my text didn't go through at first, but I still have C.J. Stroud as the number one quarterback. So there you go. Uh, there was some that was high on C.J. Stroud before before the combine, and I think that that really kind of helps solidify. And I think that's what the combine is really good for, is solidifying what you already know. Not all of a sudden discovering a new guy. It's like, oh, man, this is the dude. No, I mean, you, you, you are supposed to see it and then be able to say, okay, I, I, what I thought I, I believed is what I do believe. Like this guy really does have uh, this, you know, pinpoint accuracy, or this dude does have this athleticism. Just like Anthony Richardson, it shouldn't have been a surprise that he blazed a great forty and he jumped really high. I mean, we all knew he was a very athletic dude. That's something that we talked about leading into the combine, and I thought he did a really good job throwing the ball around the yard. There was a couple times where he was a little inaccurate, a couple throws that was like, ah, yeah. Could have wanted to get that one back. But for the most part, I thought he did a pretty good job throwing the ball. And his athleticism, of course, was uh, second to none. So let's go ahead. With that being said, the question's out there. Uh, how has your feelings changed on who the Raiders starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off the, the scouting combine? If it has changed, who do you think it should be? 69187, keyword r Let's jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And to help us kick off the opening drive, we have our good friend Tony Pauline, Pro Football Network, joins us. You can find him on Twitter, at Tony Pauline. And Tony, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Wanted to have you on to talk about the combine, and in particular, the offensive side of things, how guys may have improved their stock or hurt their stock. And of course, around here, all eyes and all, all attention is on the quarterback position so when you see the big four Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson how do you think those guys kind of hurt and help their stock throughout the course of the weekend? Well Bryce Young didn't throw so he really you know he's basically neutral he's over 200 pounds which I think you know was a positive but what you know when they do those weigh-ins they look at a guy like Bryce Young and they say you know can he play at 204 pounds is his real playing weight more like 195 can he go up to 215 pounds so that's all in the eye of the beholder. I, you know, I, I thought C.J. Stroud was the best passer. I didn't think anybody killed it. It mm-hmm. wouldn't work out. C.J. Stroud was exceptional with his short passes and his intermediate stuff. His deep passes, you know, was, he was off the mark. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I think you saw what we're going to get from Anthony Richardson. A phenomenal athlete, 
who makes some incredible passes but has a lot of misses and is a guy who needs a ton of work on his game. I mean, a lot of work on his game. And if you take him early, it's a big risk. As far as Will Levis is concerned, I've never been as high on Will Levis uh, as other people. And I spoke with an offensive coordinator here in the Northeast area. I'm not going to give him the name. And he tended, to, he tended to agree with me. He says, you know, Will, Will Levis is he's too big in the sense that he's too muscle-bound. He wants to show off his huge arm, and he's got a massive arm. But there's a lot of fundamental issues with his game. He really has to go learn from go go from being a thrower to a passer. Mm. So I don't think you know any of these guys really really stood out. I thought Aiden O'Connell actually from Purdue mm-hmm. had a, a really fine passing workout. But you're talking a, a later day two guy uh, with O'Connell. As far as Bryce Young goes, like you said, he didn't throw. Do you think that that hurt him at all? I think he could have helped himself if okay. he threw. I mean, the thing about the – I don't think it hurt him, but I think there was, he, he stood to gain a lot because the thing about the combine workout is you're throwing in an environment that most of these guys have never been in before, and you're throwing to receivers basically that you met 48 hours before. Right. And, and what you want to see is you want to see a sense of timing. You don't want to see guy passes where the receivers have to reach back or they have to slow up in their deep routes and wait for the pass to get there. And I think Bryce Young is really a phenomenal timing passer. I mean, he is very accurate, and he is a joy to watch on film. And I thought he had a lot to gain. And if he had a knockout combine workout, that would have really separated him further from the pack. Tony Pauline is our guest from Pro Football Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. As far as Anthony Richardson, uh, one of the big knocks on him, like you mentioned, you know, the accuracy or the inaccuracy at times, he's just not consistent, but he also doesn't have a lot of experience. To me, he's a guy that almost, if you draft him, you almost have to throw him into the fire just to get him reps. You know, there's a couple of ways to look at that. I, I, I could understand that train of thought. But I also think that if you throw them in the, in the fire too fast, you mm-hmm. know, the SEC is a phenomenal conference. It's still not the NFL. Right. And things in the NFL happen so much quicker. Everything, the, the, every curve in the NFL is so much steeper than college. The learning curve, the playing curve, the speed curve, the conditioning curve, you know, what you do with your off time, your things like that. It, throw them into the fire. Yeah, maybe in the second half of games. Right. But I wouldn't have Anthony Richardson as my opening day starter if you draft him early because I would be concerned that it could go the other way. I mean, you could really ruin him if you don't kind of ease him in. I understand getting him reps and getting him time as a rookie. I just don't think you would want him to be your opening day starter. Again, we're talking with Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Measurables are important for just about every player at the Combine, but someone that Raider Nation is looking at, maybe at that number 7 pick, is offensive lineman Peter Skaronsky. Now, you have him projected as a guard because of his arm length. What could be the troubles with a player with short arms that's projected at tackle that you think he could have at the next level? Yeah, not only projected a tackle, but projected a left tackle. So, you know, what happens is, is you're, you're a left tackle, you're protecting the quarterback's blind side, you're usually going to get the other team's best pass rusher, right? You're going to get the speed guy. And what happens is, is if you can't, if, if an offensive lineman doesn't get off the ball quick enough, can't get out, slide out the edge fast enough, at least he's got those long arms to knock, to get the, his hands into the pass rusher and ride him from his angle of attack. Skronsky doesn't have that, and that is a huge, huge issue, and I had said that all along, and you know, I, I think with his arm length, you're, you're basically talking about 
at best a right tackle if you're going to play him at tackle. You can't play him at, you can't play him at left tackle because the fact is you've got to get your hands into the guy. And those two inches, people say, ah, you know, not that big a deal. The heck with that. Getting your hands into, that, into a pass rusher and just disrupting his angle of attack. That inch or that two inches makes a big difference. Talking about offensive linemen, how about Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright? Did any of those guys stand out to you by what they were able to do on the field in Indianapolis? I think they all did. I mean, Paris Johnson, he's a bigger guy. He looked very fluid moving around the field. Uh, He showed the ability that if you want to use him in a zone-blocking system, get out to the second level, you know, he'll be able to do that. Broderick Jones... With his measurements, he was over six foot five. His arm length was, was over 34 inches, and there was some concern about that. We know Broderick Jones, just watching the film, he is a very athletic guy. He is a terrific pass rusher. He's got to get a little bit stronger, but I think those measurables really pushed Broderick Jones up. I thought Darnell Wright moved exceptionally well uh, yesterday. I mean, for a guy that's as big as he is, basically to, to crack, uh, just basically run like 502 or 501. Uh, Darnell Wright, since the senior bowl, has really been moving up draft boards, but he's a right tackle. If right. you're looking for a left tackle, you're going to go with Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones in round one. If you want your right tackle, you're probably going to come back in round two with Darnell Wright. Moving over to the tight ends, Darnell Washington out of Georgia, a Vegas native. I'm about to say, tell the truth while you're asking about him. Yeah, he's a Vegas roots, baby. He's a Vegas guy, but maybe two (laughs) weeks ago we were thinking, hey, he could be a second rounder. But after that performance he had at the Combine, do you think that he sneaks into the back end of the first round? I think it's going to be tough for him to do that. And the reason is, you got so many. I mean, the tight end class was phenomenal at the Combine. Michael Mayer ran much faster than expected. There were a lot of teams who, like Luke Musgrave, who had a terrific workout. But let's not forget Dalton Kincaid, you know, who had a great year at Utah. And then Sam Laporta of Iowa had a phenomenal uh, uh, combine workout. So I, I think it's going to be very tough. I mean, Washington, <laughs> he looks like a runaway freight train, a runaway locomotive on the field. And he plays like that, too. And, and to, for him to run as fast as he did, I think shocked everybody. And he moved very well. He had an exceptional, uh, I think it was a 20-yard shuttle time. Uh, but I, I think with the depth that you have at the tight end position and some of the players you know at the top you know the washington ran really well but michael mayer also of, of uh, notre dame also ran much mm-hmm. faster than people thought even though he ran slightly slower than uh, darnell washington so i think i i think it'd be very tough for him to crack into the crack the first round only because of the depth at the position at the top Speaking of that depth at the position at tight end, how many day one starters do you see in this class? And maybe if the if Washington isn't there for the Raiders, how many do you see that you can pick out of like let's say this top five of tight ends that you can project to say he's at least going to be a contributing player day one in the NFL? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think maybe you're looking at three or four uh, day one starters. I, I think you can go probably nine deep as far as guys that can contribute as rookies, maybe 10 deep. And then even after that, you can go as many as 14 players, uh, 14 tight ends, who will produce or help out as rookies, either as number one or number two tight ends. Talking right now with Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And necessary roughness, just got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to ask you about the wide receiver position, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know he didn't run the 40, but looked pretty smooth in all the drills. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, he's a speedster out of Tennessee. And uh, even want to throw in Quentin Johnston, uh, the speedster and the, the guy that can make the big plays out of TCU. What do you think for those three guys? Yeah, I mean, Smith and Jigba was terrific. I, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I reported those uh, sensational uh, Three cone and short shortle times, even though he didn't run the forty, and basically 
he moves laterally with speed. He's seamless. Seamless. When you watch a receiver, what you don't want is you don't want a guy who kind of gathers into his breaks. He's very smooth, making a left-hand turn or making a right-hand turn. That's what Smith McJuba does. And, you know, he's the kind of guy you really got to go back and watch the film from 2021 because he was playing better than Chris Olave. He was playing better than Garrett Wilson. And we saw how well both of those guys did as rookies in the NFL last year. So he has, he has been and will always be my number one receiver. In fact, coming into the season, mm. before he had that hamstring injury, I actually gave him a higher grade than C.J. Stroud because he was so great off that 2021 film. Jalen Hyatt didn't have really that good of a position workout, didn't run as fast as many thought, although none of the receivers ran fast. But you watch the film, and he is a vertical threat. He is a guy that when he steps to the line of scrimmage, safeties and cornerbacks, even in the NFL, are going to have to take a step or two backwards. Quentin Johnson didn't run. We had reported that uh, on uh, Friday. He's a bigger guy. He is maybe your Anthony Richardson of the receiver position in the Mm. sense that he is a big athletic guy who really needs to improve the details of his positions. Not a good route runner. Doesn't always do a lot of uh, proper fundamental catching, although we caught the ball well at the combine. You watch the film. He does a lot of body catching, has has too many drops, but has got tremendous upside. Final question for you has to do with the running back position and uh, B. John Robinson out of Texas. I mean, the dude could be very easily the best player in this upcoming draft, but he's a running back. So uh, how early do you think a team is going to be willing to pull the trigger on B. John? Yeah, I, I mean, if, if this was 20, 25 years ago, we would be talking about B. John Robinson as one of the top three picks of the draft, wouldn't right. we? But yep. in 2023, you know, with the running back uh, position so devalued, I don't think he gets past Buffalo uh, late in the first round. I think the earliest he goes is maybe three or four picks ahead of that. Maybe a team trades up ahead of Buffalo to ensure B. John Robinson, but he is a sensational three-down running back as a ball carrier, on the inside, on the outside, and he is a sensational pass catcher. Speaking of the running backs, we see you talked about 20 years ago, Robinson could be a top three pick, and I hear that this is a deep running back class, but what does that mean when it comes to where are these players actually going to be selected in the upcoming draft with the devalue of the running back position? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a lot of day two running backs, and it depends on the type of running back that you want. You know, Tajay Spears, of Tulane and Devin Etchane of Texas A&M, who had a terrific combine workout. They're more your situational guys. If you're going to give them 12 to 15 touches a game, it's maybe going to be eight carries and six to seven passes out of the backfield. You know, Kenny McIntosh has got a huge amount of upside. Chris Rodriguez of Kentucky, he's more of your downhill short yardage ball carrier. I think there's going to be a lot of day two picks at the running back position. It's just a matter of what type of back do you want. Do you want that bigger bully type of short yardage runner, or do you want the creative situational back? It's crazy how the, the running back position has been devalued, and then a guy like Isaiah Pacheco goes in the seventh round last year and scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl and has a successional year for the Chiefs. So there you go. Tony, fantastic stuff. What do you got coming out on Pro Football Network that we should be on the lookout for? Well, you know, it's going to be crazy with free agency over the next week and a half, so we'll have all the breaking news there. And as we get closer to the draft, you know, as, as, just as free agency, all the craziness of free agency kicks off and the combine ends, pro day workouts start. So we'll be right. starting tomorrow with, our, with the reports from pro day workouts, who look good, what teams are on hand, and eventually we'll end up uh, uh, in April with about 800 individual scouting reports on all the players eligible for the 2023 NFL draft. Well, keep up the great work, man. We check it out every single day, Pro Football Network. Network again. Tony Pauline is our guest. Thanks so much, Tony. We appreciate you. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Great stuff. Tony Pauline does a great job. Him and all the crew over there at Pro Football Network do a fantastic job. I know a couple of them personally, so definitely check them out each and every day. And again, uh, they're all over the combine. Free agency is right around the corner. When does the NFL sleep? That's all I want to know. When does the NFL sleep? Because what I saw in Indianapolis is it doesn't. (laughs) The most sleep I got was on the plane back from Indianapolis to Vegas. That was the most sleep I got. The NFL's like, oh, Q, you think you can hang? Okay. Come hang with us. <laughs> I was like, hey, NFL, you're kicking my ass. Calm down. <laughs> Let me get a little sleep. But no, it's, it's great times. And the NFL doesn't sleep. Free agency right around the corner. Uh, you got the uh, tampering period right before that. So you have a good idea of what's going on. Then, of course, the, the pro days are going on. Then the draft happens. Then it'll be a quick second to take a, a nap. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, you have rookie mini camps. You have training camp coming around the corner. And boom, you're back at it every Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever the case may be, back into football season. Many thanks to Tony Pauline again from Pro Football Network for kicking us off on the opening drive. Coming up next. Next, our guy, Adam Hill from the RJ and also our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. We'll talk about the Raiders specifically and how he saw the combine and what may have changed for him. We'll do that next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Anthony Richardson, here we go. That lander's going deep. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. He, was, he threw that from the nine-yard line, and it landed on the 30. Yeah, he turned that one over like a punt. And here he is running a 40-yard dash, and oh, my goodness. Wow. It is Rolling. full Moses Malone. Uh, four, four, four. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. You heard a little highlights right there from Anthony Richardson and his performance he had at the Combine, and he wowed. There was many times I was sitting there on the couch saying, wow, I'd see one of those bombs, and I thought, man... That's pretty incredible. I, I wanted to try to temper myself, though, my, you know, because I realized that he's very inexperienced, only has 13 career starts in college. I know that a lot of his passes are inaccurate, but, man, it is so easy, right? And I know it's the Underwear Olympics. We warn ourselves before we even go into it. It's so easy to say, man, could you imagine that monster playing at Allegiant Stadium and trying to run downhill and someone getting in front of him or him throwing the ball deep to Devontae or whoever else? Oh, it looks good. <laughs> it all looks good, but you also have to realize there's warts. And look, all these quarterbacks have warts. So the question I threw out there, has your feelings changed on who the Raiders' starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off what you saw at the Combine? If so... How has it changed? Who's the quarterback? Let us know about it. Uh, you can hit us up on the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r r Or you could do like Rich in Oakland did, hit us up at 702-365-9200. Rich, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's up, Q? What's up, Doc? Hey, so my feelings have changed in a way that, you know, we're at seven right now. In order to get CJ, like my top two quarterbacks are CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Okay. Will Levis is a wild card. You know, he's like on the backside, but... If we're somehow able to switch, you know, to switch our draft picks, not trade too much draft capital because we we're not in a position to go all in and trade first rounders. You know what I mean? We need mm-hmm. to start hitting on these first rounders. We know what Mayock did; he blew five first rounders. We can't we can't keep doing that. Right. We got to build our defense. We got to build our trenches. So if we're somehow able to get to number three and be able to draft C.J. Stroud, you know, or stay at seven and let Anthony Richardson fall to us. 
I know people are like, oh, you know, he, he's athletic, he's this and that, but we don't know how he's going to turn out. This kid, you, some, some, some quarterbacks, you, you could just see it. You know what I mean? You could just see it. They're special. They're a special specimen. And he could, you know, his ceiling is so high that I'm willing to take a chance on a quarterback like that. He's not going to start. C.J. Stroud is not going to start either. So the good thing is that we could sit him behind a vet, you know, whoever it is, Stidham. I hope it ain't Jimmy G. But it's Stidham or somebody else that they'll bring in and sit him behind a vet and have him learn the playbook. But we need a special playmaker like Anthony Richardson. I think Stroud might not be there unless something crazy happens. But if we could somehow move up to three, let McDaniels choose his quarterback for the future, I think that'll be the best-case scenario. And another thing, we see what Derek Carr's agent is doing. This guy's really good at his job, man. He got him another trade clause and all that money he's done got. You know, Derek Carr, he's a very rich man now, and he doesn't win a lot of games. But, hey, I wish him the best. And I think that the Raiders are in great position because now we have a breath of fresh air going into a new season with a new quarterback and with the future quarterback sitting behind whoever we're starting next year. I think, you know, everybody should stop being so pessimistic about McDaniels and Ziegler because I think they're building things the right way. Don't panic. Have a great day, Q. I appreciate you. Rich in Oakland breaking it down right there. We do appreciate the call. We'll get back to break down some of the things that you said on the call. Joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station as well, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield & Company. Matter of fact, he's about to be on the air at Cofield & Company. He's over at the Thomas & Mack right now. And, Adam, before we get into any Raider talk, man, how is it over there at the Thomas & Mack and the, the women? They just ran a UNR right out the building. Yeah, I think uh, UNR made a mistake of actually playing the Rebels close, the Lady Rebels last week close, and I don't think they liked it because they came out today and just absolutely blew them out of the water. Almost a 40-point victory. They were up uh, pretty much 30 throughout the entire second half. It wasn't pretty at all. Uh, but, you know, a good start for the Lady Rebs who now have a 20-game winning streak as they try to clinch their tournament berth. That's awesome. It really is. And I remember last year they ended up going to Arizona. They were one and done. And so hopefully when they get to the, the big tournament in March, uh, they'll actually have a, a deeper run. But they are a really, really good team. And I know you're out there. Uh, covering it really, really well and going to be on Cofield and Company in a matter of minutes. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, as far as the Raiders, we all know that the quarterback is going to be the biggest conversation there is. Did the, has, the, has the feeling on any of these quarterbacks changed based off what you saw from the scouting combine over the weekend? No, I mean, look, I, I think there was a couple guys that were really high on, including, you know, I, I feel like there was a very, very positive feeling about C.J. Stroud in the building. And, you know, he threw unbelievably well. If you know, people didn't watch that. I'd go back and watch what he did at the combine. He was he was just putting the ball wherever he wanted to. He was incredible. And, you know, I, I don't know why this is, Q. Um, you know, maybe you have some thoughts on why people just assume, like, oh, he's an athletic running quarterback. Like, no, it's not the case. Right. He is a stand in the pocket and fired anywhere on the field he wants that. He's got some athleticism to him, too. But um, he's just he's a guy that's just a more traditional pocket passer. We saw that on display. And then, of course, uh, I, I know that there's been strong feelings about Anthony Richardson in that building for a long time. It's why I made him the Raiders' choice in my mock draft last week. And good Lord, he destroyed <laughs> the combine. That was unbelievable. So any thought, I think, you know, a couple weeks ago, not even a couple weeks ago, maybe two months ago, I might have even talked about it with you guys, that there was a thought that, hey, Anthony Richardson might be a guy in the third round, a developmental guy, like that's a guy to watch. No more. He's He's looking at the top five right now and, Things could change me now in the draft, but his stock shot through the roof. So, based off of what you just said and the fact that you mocked Anthony Richardson to the Raiders, if the draft was today, are you still sticking with him being there at number seven for the Raiders? I don't know. I mean, could he, could a team fall in love with everything that he does and pick him one? I mean, that's possible. 
Uh, it's also possible, look, at this time of the year, every year, you know, go back, go back and look through mock drafts where we are right now. Look, I'm guilty of it too. I, I did a little bit of the same thing, but it's always, like even last year, there was like four quarterbacks in the top 10 in mm-hmm. mock drafts right now. Like that, that's what we were looking at. And one went in the first round, and I don't even know if he should have. So, um, <laughs> right. look, we, we always overreact to quarterbacks, and quarterbacks do have a ton of value, but um, it's not always the case that what we're looking at right now is the same uh, in a couple months on draft day. So I'll be very interested to see where those guys actually go. But for right now, I mean, I think Bryce Young is a guy that a lot of people are going to fall in love with. I think C.J. Stroud and the display he put on is going to make people want to draft him. Uh, and I think Anthony Richardson is, has the kind of tools that people are going to look at and say, man, like we could do something with him. And, and so like those things could happen, but I do think Will Levis may have taken a step back and you know, maybe he's a guy that you can wait a little bit on. I know Hendon Hooker is one of the most intriguing players because I know the Raiders have had strong feelings about him for a while, but he's old and coming off a knee injury. So uh, what happens with him? And I think if you, told, if you told the Raiders right now that they can get a veteran and they could take Hendon Hooker in the third or fourth round, I think they'd sign up for that all day. But I, I don't know if you can guarantee that. I mean, you can't. Like, that, that's one of the problems going into the draft where you say, hey, we like this guy. We're going to take him. Well, other teams have votes. Like, right. they're allowed, they're right. allowed to make picks and, and, and you know, ruin your plan. So you can't just go in with a plan and saying, we're taking this quarterback in the third round. Like, that doesn't work that way. Right, no. No, you don't have those kind of options. Other teams have a lot of say. Again, <laughs> yeah. we're talking with Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. The hero-turned-villain Josh Jacobs, he got that franchise tag slapped on him today. How soon do you think a deal gets done if one does get done? I mean, I'm, I'm very interested to see this, right? Like, they've known this is coming. They had a chance to make a deal. Um, they can do it. Now, it's, it's a really, really, really complicated deal for a lot of reasons. Look, the Raiders can say what they want to say. They botched this. They could have picked up a fifth-year option and just had this solved a long time ago, but they didn't. And the reason they didn't, I think, is, is smart. Like, they don't believe in paying running backs. They don't believe in paying them long-term. That's been a Patriots philosophy for a long time. They've carried it with them, and I think – unfortunately for running backs, it's right. It's the mm-hmm. correct way to build a team. You don't commit to, to running backs long-term, but Josh Jacobs is a different breed. He's a different kind of player who's not only you know, a great running back, can get you every yard that is out there and more. He's also big in the locker room. Like, there's a reason they didn't pick up his option, not because they didn't think he was a good player or even a great player. It's because you just don't pay running backs. And so for them to go into this now, and Josh Jacobs wants a long-term deal, deserves a long-term deal. Like, he has every right to want guaranteed money for a, long, for a long time. And the team just doesn't believe in that. So this could be a real, a real standoff, and it also could be a, a case where the Raiders just say, look, we blew it by not picking up his option. Like, let's not blow it again. Let's sign him. But I, I think it's going to be very hard for them to grit their teeth and do that when they don't believe that you should be paying running backs for a long period of time. And I think that's the right way to build a team. Speaking of deals, Derek Carr, he got his deal today. Not so much about him, good for him that he got his money, but now that he's the first quarterback that's been signed in this upcoming class, where do you think that sets the market for those other guys? And particularly, I think that he's going to be on the Raiders' radar, Jimmy G. Uh, well, first, even outside of Jimmy G, because, yes, you're right. I mean, guys like that are, are going to be thrilled. But, I mean, can you hear the celebration for, I was going to say Baltimore, I guess he's probably maybe in uh, Louisville or in Florida right now, from <laughs> Lamar Jackson right now. Right, right. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's can't, well, I guess it's just Lamar Jackson's family since he's doing it himself, but they've got to be partying. Like, they, I would, if I was them, I'd be in Cancun or Cabo right now just living it up. Like, this was a, a massive day for them. If Derek Carr gets what he got, uh, Lamar Jackson's deal has to be, what, 10 years, $18 billion guaranteed? <laughs> <laughs> like, that is, that is nuts. So... Uh, I think there's a lot of celebrating from a lot of quarterbacks right now that that's the market. Now, 
we'll see exactly how it's structured because there's a lot of reports about how it is structured and how it's dealt. And I think it's a different kind of scenario because the, the, the Saints had to find a deal that was structured this way because they have no cap space. So they're in a really, really difficult position. They had to try to stretch it out and make it look like it's different kind of guaranteed money and structured differently. But um, I, I do think it's really fascinating, uh, a really fascinating contract to kind of monitor. And, and, I, and I know other guys, like you said, like, you know, like Jimmy G, like I mean, even, even Jared Stidham uh, is out there like, okay, well, let's, let's see what this deal looks like because I think a lot of quarterbacks have made a lot of money today off Derek Carr. Now that it's official and he is in New Orleans, like I think most of us expected he would end up being back with a coach that he knows in Dennis Allen. How do you see that working out? Do you think that that's a good fit for him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Look, there's, there's a couple things. First of all, what Derek said of I want a team that can win right now and to – you know, that has shown a commitment to being a consistent winner. Like, I, I don't know that that's what he did. Right. Like, I don't know that that's what the Saints are. They're in a tough salary cap spot. But um, the reason that I think a lot of people, and myself included, believed that he was going to go to the NFC South was because of how winnable it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who's the dominant team in the NFC South? The, the Bucks won by default just because, you know, they had Tom Brady and a couple guys that kind of willed them to win. And, they're they're going to be in salary cap difficulty. The Saints already are in salary cap difficulty. Um, it, it's it's a really really tough um, you know to uh, position try to figure out who the best team in that division is. So uh, the Falcons could take a step forward, but the Saints, despite all their difficulties with the cap, they have a quarterback that they you know believe in now that they paid, and uh, they've got a couple other players. They're going to have to cut some guys, I think, too, uh, additionally with some cap issues. But it's winnable. Now, can you can you win the division? Yes. Uh, is that your goal? I don't think so. But in the NFC, you know, you've got a couple of really good teams. But outside of that, like, if you get to the playoffs, you can win a couple of games and, and make a run. So I think the NFC South just made a ton of sense just because you can kind of back your way into the playoffs and just try to figure it out from there. Um, obviously, Dennis Allen knows Derek Carr. They believe in each other. So this this makes a lot of sense. And it makes a, a lot of sense that you can make a, a run and get to the playoffs. But uh, I don't know that they're a contender. Right. No, I agree with that. Adam Hill is our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So let me ask you this. For 2023, when the Raiders start the season, who do you think makes the most sense to be the starting quarterback? I think I've changed uh, about 13 times in the last four days <laughs> um, about who it is. Like, they're definitely going to draft somebody, right? Like, yeah. That's going to happen. Whether, mm-hmm. it's, whether it's one of the guys in the first round, whether they wait and take a guy, like I said, Hendon Hooker, um, if Will Levis falls, whoever, whoever whatever happens. Um, they're going to draft a quarterback, but I don't know that their plan is to have a, a rookie quarterback as a day one starter. Um, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to get, if they can get Garoppolo, then they could do it. But I think Stidham makes a ton of sense with Stidham paired with a rookie. Uh, and you go into the to the season with that as your quarterback room. I think they'd be pretty comfortable with that. Uh, Jimmy G and a rookie, I think makes sense too, but I don't know that Jimmy G wants to go to a place where they've already drafted a quarterback in the future. He's been through that already. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty tricky. I do think, look, I've been, I think I'm mentioning the name Mac Jones on like every interview I've done for months, and yeah. all of a sudden there's a little bit of smoke picking up there. Uh, but I, I don't know that the Patriots are going to give him up. I think the, the Raiders thought that the Patriots would make him expendable, but I don't know if that's the case. And I don't know if it's the right move either. So I think Stidham in a rookie or Garoppolo potentially in a rookie, even if he maybe doesn't want that. Uh, I think those are, those are the probably most likely options right now. Adam, be honest with me. The Lady Rebels, they're going to take the Mountain West for their side of the tournament. But the men's side. Stop it. Wednesday. Stop it. UNLV, Air Force, 7 versus 10. They win that. They got Boise State. Give me a percentage chance that they can run the gauntlet and win the Mountain West. Give them the truth. You're uh, you're breaking up, DeMond. I, I, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> That's tough. Look, it's it's, it's going to be tough to make a run. And 
the, the Rebels are capable of it. I mean, they're a team that has a ton of ability. We saw it in the non-conference. Now, they had a ton of injuries, and you know, Eli Parquet not being out there was just brutal because he was so vital to the defense. So I don't know that they can, I don't know that they can win it, but they could put it together, and they could play really well. The issue is there's a lot of really, really good teams in this, in this conference. It's not just you know, San Diego State, or it's not just a team or two here. It's, it's a gauntlet. You're going to have to win not only tomorrow, uh, but then, or excuse me, Wednesday, but then make a run through some really good teams to get all the way there. So uh, I think it's an uphill battle. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, go ahead and, and, and pull for the Lady Rebels. They got, they got something going on, but uh, the men have an uphill battle, to say the least, to try to get where they need to go. Adam, we'll close out on this. Uh, I'm a b- believer in C.J. Stroud. I think he should be the quarterback that the Raiders should be targeting in this draft, if any, but they're going to have to move up to get him. He's not going to be there at seven, in my opinion. How high do you think Dave Ziegler would be willing to go? Oh, it's tough. Like I don't think he would do one. No. Um, and I don't, I don't know that you'd have to anyway. I think the hope for the Raiders is maybe waiting for the draft and seeing how it plays out, right? If, if CJ Shroud, excuse me, if, uh, if Bryce Young does go one, because whoever trades to the Bears, mm-hmm. and you hope that, I mean, do you hope that the Texans fall in love with Richardson um, and maybe make that pick? Like, if you, the Colts are almost certainly taking a quarterback, but I think they might be the team that goes to one. So you just kind of let it play out and, and you know, let him, let him drop and, and see if you can make it, if he makes it to five, six. Right. If you move up just one or two spots, I think that would make some sense. But um, I don't think I'd go all the way up to one or even two, probably even three. And like four, like I said, four, I think it'll be the Bears, which wouldn't take a quarterback. Uh, so then you're only looking up moving to five or six, which I think is possible. And, and, you know, I think they might be willing to do that. I don't think it would cost them too much. I mean, it'll be a steep cost. But I don't think it's going to cost like you know three first round picks or anything like it probably would to move up to number one or two. Right. No, I'm with you, and I think that three is even pushing it. Right. Like you said, I think yeah. that you know one, two are definitely out. Three is pushing it. Maybe four <laughs> if they get a good deal. But, but I, I do. Th- I think the Bears will be a four. So I mean, okay. I, I think that's where I, I think you'd be safe to not. You know, the Bears aren't taking a quarterback. So um, if the Colts do make the trade up to one. That might be the ideal scenario for the Raiders. I like it. I like it a lot. Adam Hill, fantastic work on the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. Again, he's at the Thomas and Mac. He'll be hosting Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield 3 to 6 p.m. on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, conference tournament stuff all week. And, nice. of course, uh, some uh, you know Raiders stuff over the weekend. And uh, John Jones, new UFC heavyweight champion. Talk to me about the uh, Chandler Jones touchdown. So I think I'm going to put that out. Okay, nice. What did, you know yeah. what? I know, I know I said I was going to let you go, but I, I bought that fight on Saturday. What did you ultimately think about the fight that ended really quickly in the first round? John Jones is a beast, man. Like, say what you want about him outside. He doesn't know who he is. He can't figure that out. He doesn't know if he's a hero or a villain. Um, there's a ton of things, but... When John Jones steps in that cage, he takes souls, and I think you saw that again. Yeah, there was a soul taken on Saturday for sure. Well, Adam, thanks so much for joining us, man. We definitely appreciate you. and uh, Have a great show with Cofield this afternoon. Sounds good. Talk to you guys. All right, there he goes. Great job. Adam Hill from the RJ ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter, at Adam Hill LVRJ. And as I mentioned, over at the Thomas & Mac right now with Steve Cofield, and they're about to hold it down from 3 to 6 p.m. on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. 2.46 is the time. Has your feelings changed on who the Raiders' starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off the Combine? If so, let us know who it is. Or if you haven't changed your mind and you still want to let us know who you think the starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off of what you already believe and maybe what was solidified over the weekend, let us know. 69187, keyword R&R. Don'tbebroke.com. Text line at 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 
Many thanks to Adam Hill from the RJ and also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas joined us in the last segment. Kind of break it down what he believes the Raiders should do at the quarterback position. Obviously, that's the most important uh, position. The Raiders have a lot of needs on the on the team. Quarterback, offensive line, plenty of defense. We know that. We'll get to defense coming up around 3.30. Deontay Lee from The Athletic. He'll join us to talk about the combine, but we'll look at it from the defensive side of things. We talked with Tony Pauline and really focus on the offense. That's kind of how we want to break it on down just to give you a good idea of whose stock really raised and who really hurt themselves. And really, I don't think DeMond coming out of the, the combine, too many pr- people really hurt themselves, like really bad. Uh, again, I think Bryce Young could have could have thrown and it would and, and participated in the other drills, and I think it could have maybe solidified him as the number one quarterback. For me, C.J. Stroud, just the way that he was out there just throwing the ball and he was super accurate, and I already kind of was leaning that way anyway, uh, that he was the guy. But again, just like... What the combine is supposed to do is solidify your feelings. That's what happened with C.J. Stroud for me. You know, okay, I felt like he was really uh, the guy that would be the best selection for the Raiders if they were to get him at seven. I don't think he's going to be available at seven now because of the performance he had at the combine. It was really good. But to see him go out there and compete, to see him throw the ball with, like, no effort, just be money, hear his explanation of why he didn't run the, run the ball a whole lot, and he would say that, you know, there's probably times I should have ran. You know, but I'm really trying to focus in on being in the pocket throwing the ball around the yard and giving my playmakers opportunities. And his explanation about his coach saying, hey, I want you to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. I know you can run. I know you're athletic enough to run. He doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have to be Anthony Richardson. He doesn't have to be you know, Bryce Young, who's trying to create all the time with his legs. And I'll tell you what, that's going to slow down. That, that creating with his legs, that's all good for a while. But that'll slow down. I mean, you saw what happened with Russell Wilson. We see what's happening with Kyler Murray. Even Lamar Jackson, who really is good at uh, avoiding hits, is starting to get banged up and nicked up a little bit. At some point, you start to slow it down a little bit. I think Bryce Young is going to be phenomenal, but he's got to. I think he's got to get a little bit bigger just to be able to survive the hits that at some point will come in the NFL. Yeah, where you said that no one really hurt themselves, it's not a matter of he didn't hurt himself, the guy I'm about to mention. It's that the guys in front of him showed that they're that much better right. with the performance. Will Levis, he didn't hurt himself, but with C.J. Stroud, as you said, the performance he put on Anthony Richardson, we already think that Bryce Young, mm-hmm. he's the one. So he's he's probably like, hey, guys, I'm good. He, that's I think that's Bryce Young's you know mentality going into the combine that hey guys I think I'm going to be the number one quarterback taken nothing that I that I do here is going to change any of that you got my height you got my weight that's fine and C.J. Stroud right. it's been very interesting to see that he's the first quarterback that I've seen in recent memory that's had to defend why he doesn't run enough <laughs> right I've never heard right. of this before of why didn't you run more right. it's almost like it's too good to be true right your talent like I don't it's it's a very weird case for CJ Stroud that it's someone hey he's probably going to be the second quarterback taken but why didn't you run more See, why didn't you use your legs more I've never heard to have a quarterback defend you stay in the pocket too much you want to be too good of a passer from the pocket what's up with that well you know and the funny thing is as you know Derek Carr makes his way to New Orleans uh, the big one of the big bugaboos about him was he wouldn't run. He wouldn't take off. And so everyone, including myself, has said if he would just take off. The thing with C.J. Stroud, and I could be wrong, I think that when he sees 10 yards of open grass, like Jarrett Stidham did the last two games, he'll take off. You know, if, if his first and second and third read aren't there, I think he'll take off. He's not going to just take off when his first read's not there. Like, okay, hey, I'm gonna, I, I got to take off and go. He's not going to do that. He's going to hang around the pocket. I think there's a fine line to hanging around the pocket and refusing to leave and trying to wait and give your your receivers opportunities. I think there's a fine line. I think C.J. Stroud knows what that fine line is, and that's 
really the reason why I believe he could be a really good quarterback in the NFL. And I honestly think that he's smart enough to go in there and compete in training camp. He might not start right away, right? And that's fine. But if he goes in there and competes in training camp and shows that he's picking up the offense, I feel like he's a student of the game. Some of the words that he said, and matter of fact, we'll kick off the next hour. We'll go back and run uh, Vinny and his one-on-one. It's only about a minute 30. Uh, but some of the things that he said about the fact that, uh, you know, when he met with the Raiders and the fact that Josh McDaniels and company was real stern and really about football, it really sounded to me like he enjoyed that. And that's why me and Vinny were very high on C.J. Stroud on Friday. That was just coming off of what he said at the podium and what he said to Vinny. And then he backed it up and went out there and wowed on Saturday. So that really, for me, solidified him as QB number one. Again, for me, 2.56 is the time. Again, we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Has your feelings changed on who the Raiders starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off the combine? And if it has, who do you think the quarterback should be? Let us know about us. Radio Nation Radio, 920.